Amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. You may be seated. You may be seated. My heart is full this morning. I'm in between series, and uh, we just finished a series called Bulletproof. And uh, now I have something, you know, I do this specifically on purpose, is I'll make gaps in my preaching calendar. Because, you know, the Lord puts something on, a, on my heart and on my mind, and, 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 and a lot of the times what I do is I experience it, and then I bring it to you. So I'll, I'll have things on, on backdrop way back here, right, from weeks beforehand that I know that I'm going to preach it sooner or later, and now that I have a gap in my calendar, here it is. So turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready for the word? Are you ready for the word? Amen. Thank you. So this passage that I'm going to preach to you this morning, uh, three gospel writers, three gospel writers, they, 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 um, they describe it uh, pretty similarly because it, you, have, you have a couple stories within a story, and they don't break it up. None of them breaks it up. So that tells me right here that, that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is trying to show us something. So I, I pulled some things out of here that I think you can relate to, and, and and if you can't relate to this, I don't know what's wrong with you. You might be asleep or something. But please don't sleep during my sermon. I'm going to wake you up, all right? Your neighbor might punch you. All right? So Mark chapter 5. You can follow along on the screen. Um, you can follow along on your mobile device, Bible, whatever you got there. Mark chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 21. Verse 21. So when Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was at the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. He said, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her that she may be healed and live. Now, this was, this was not really the uh, frequent occasion of a synagogue leader specifically to come to Jesus because, because the synagogue leader, someone like uh, Jairus, he was an elected leader of the synagogue, which means that he had a, a close tie with the Pharisees. And, and, and therefore, the Pharisees probably pressured him not to support Jesus, not to even talk to Jesus. But how many of y'all know, in desperate measures, you go to God, you go to Jesus, do you not? Amen, that's right. So Jairus, desperate measures, his, his little daughter is sick, she's dying. He goes, despite what anybody else will think, despite whatever else is going on. And, and, and I think we need to not worry about the people around us and what they think about Christianity or think about us even going to church. You know, we're, we're, we're in desperate times. Some of you are like, yeah, I know. Got something going on right now. Yeah. This, is, this message is for you. So let's pick back up. Verse 24. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed in around him. So there's like mobs of people following Jesus. Like mobs of people you know, because people are, you know, people are getting touched by Jesus. Jesus is out doing ministry. He's preaching. He's teaching. He's got these, 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 these crazy unknown things that are coming to people's mind. The Holy Spirit is touching them. You know, and, and, and then you've got Jesus healing people. So mobs of people. He's like famous. So a large crowd following him. She had suffered a great deal under care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about when she heard about Jesus, so there's this woman that has been bleeding for 12 years, right? She had been suffering for 12 years. She heard about Jesus. She goes up to him, right? And, and here's the distraction. Do you see what just happened here? you see what just happened? So Jairus goes to Jesus and is like, hey, my daughter's dying. And then this other woman comes up and like totally distracts Jesus and, and goes up to Jesus and, and chases after him, right? You know, this, this happens to me all the time. Some of you are like, yeah, amen, it happens to me too. Distractions, right? How, how do you determine what, 
What is a, a healthy distraction or a disruptive distraction? How do you do that? And, 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 and do, you, do you entertain it? Jesus did. My son, Drew, right, loves baseball. Uh, all my kids love sports. Ava loves soccer. Caleb loves baseball, too. Drew, he'll come up at just the right time. Like, he, you know, I'll be working on the computer on a sermon or something for church. And, you know, because I got to come to you. I got to, I put a lot of work in on these things, right? You know, and I got to come to you. And I know that I got to come up here and speak. And God's going to put something on my heart and mind to tell you, right? So I got to do the work, okay? And, and so what happens is I'll, I have my office at home, okay? I have my little cubby corner, right? And, and Drew will come up with his glove and his ball and say, Dad, come on. Pitch to me. He's a catcher, right? He likes to pitch too, but he's a catcher. And, and, and he likes to put on his gear. Last night, he put on all his gear, right? It's about, it's about to, the lights are about to go down. I'm talking about it's getting dark, right? And, and, I, and I was working on tidying up my sermon a little bit. You know, some of y'all are like, that's a Saturday night special. That wasn't a Saturday night special. I've been working on it all week, all right? Just tidying up. I'm all in this thing all week long, right? So he comes up at just the right time, right? And I'm like, my first thought is, I got I to gotta, I gotta straighten this out, right? I got to straighten this out because I'll have like, like eight or nine pages full of sermon notes, right? And I, I might only get like five pages to you. I leave out half the stuff, you know what I mean? But I got all this content, right? I got to arrange it properly and make sure it's in the right order so it makes sense to you guys. And, and, and so Drew comes up, yeah, yeah, last night. I'm like, okay, let's go, come on. I, I, I'll entertain that distraction. See, my kids are only kids for some short time. You, you know what? When he grows up, he ain't going to come to me with a ball and a glove and say, Daddy, will you pitch to me? He might not do that when he's in the big leagues, MLB, right? Both my boys are going MLB style. That's, that's what they say. <laughs> I said, yeah, well, you better get your education because there's going to be a time when you don't play baseball if you do play professional, <laughs> right? So, yeah, so I entertain that distraction, but that's a healthy distraction because I know that I've got to invest in my children, and I want them to have a good, a, a good view of their father because you know what? How they view me is also how they view God. So it's a healthy disruption. So this was a healthy disruption to Jesus because, you know, there's this little girl died, and we think little girls, yeah, you know, you better get to that little girl because, you know, little girls are even more important than older women, right, because she's been suffering for 12 years, and she's been doing this thing, but this little girl's dying. But Jesus, what does it say? When she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So check this out. Look at this. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? See, this woman, right, she was considered ceremonially unclean in the Jewish religion. Because, you know, for her to even get close to Jesus would have been unknown and unseen and would not have ever happened. So she knew that in desperate measures she had to get close to Jesus. She needed to just touch him. If she, she had this faith that if she could just touch him, if she could just get that close to his presence where she could touch him, that she could be healed. It was very scandalous. Everybody say it was scandalous. It was scandalous how she went to Jesus. But Jesus was okay with it. Look at what he does here. He says, who touched my clothes? Right? Like he didn't know. <laughs> like Jesus didn't know, right? A crowd of people, crowd, crowd of mobs, mobs and mobs of people 
This lady, I imagine her like crawling on her knees to get through these people, weaving in and out of them, and just kind of like, hope he doesn't see me because everybody knows I'm unclean, you know? And she touches him. So his disciples say in verse 31, you see the people crowding around you, and yet you ask, who touched me? Like, Jesus, you do all these miracles. You heal all these people. You raise the dead. I mean, Lazarus, you raised them up, man. And you don't know who touched you? I, I imagine Peter, right? He's like, Jesus. Come on, really? You know? Come on. And, 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 you know, in our context here, you know, really? You know, all that. That's probably what would have happened. Yeah. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed of your suffering. So this faith, this, 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 this ounce of faith that this woman had, just to get in his presence. You know, that's why we come to church on Sundays, because we know that we got to get in his presence. we got to get in his presence, in the presence of, of the Spirit, worship him, adore him, hear the message from the Word. We've got to get in His presence to be touched. How many of y'all know you've got to get in His presence? Come on, touch somebody next to you and say, you've got to get in His presence. You've got to get in His presence. Amen? But what about the girl? What happened to the little girl? Verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. So your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother to teach her anymore? Like, don't mess with him. She's dead. She's done. That's it. Jesus had a distraction over here. He got caught up, tied up, and she's dead. She's gone. That's it. Call the night. How many of y'all know sometimes distractions? Here's another distraction. How many of y'all know that sometimes distractions come in the form of hopelessness? Hopelessness? You know, something strikes you, some circumstance, some situation. That's what struck Jairus at this moment. Somebody came up and said, hey, man, your daughter's dead. There's no hope. It's all done. It's gone. How many of y'all know there's hope with Jesus? Amen? He can do some crazy things. Tell you what. Maybe God wants you to follow through. Maybe God wants you to follow through on something. Watch this. See what happens here. Verse 37. He did not let anybody follow him except Peter, James, and John, brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went where the child was. You see that? Jesus followed through on the hopelessness. The hopeless distraction. Hey, your daughter's dead. Jesus, so what? Let's go. Come on, let's go. I got something to do. Come on, you've seen what happened with this lady. Peter, James, and John. There's a, this, this scripture is loaded. Peter, James, and John. It's described as an inner circle of Jesus' followers. Peter, James, and John were his best men. Like, this is the three, right? This is the three that he invested in. This is the guys that actually, that actually clicked with him. They got, they got it. I mean, these are even, these are even um, writers of, of, of the word here, right? Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. But do you see what he did? There's mobs of people, right? There's mobs of people. You know, sometimes you have to limit access to people in your life so you can leverage abilities for the kingdom. How many of y'all know that? You know, if you've got too many, too many disruptive distractions taking up your time that are unhealthy, what are you going to do for the kingdom? 
You know what I'm saying? You got to be able to discern what's a healthy distraction and what's a disruptive distraction. But to Jesus, these people were important, the little girl and the woman who had been suffering for 12 years. You know what that shows me? That shows me that everybody's important. You know that? And here we see these outcasts, an outcast woman, right, from a social economic status that is, is very low, right, an outcast, all the way to a high status in community, a Jewish synagogue leader, right, important too. And everybody in between. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, your past, your experience now. Jesus is for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Come on, somebody. Y'all out there today? Amen. There you are. You know, there's a lot in here. You see these, uh, there's all kinds of distractions in here. You have these mourners, okay? You see the mourners in the scripture? The, the scriptures say that, that um, Jesus saw a commotion, and people were crying and wailing loudly when he came to the house, right? Well, what this was in, in Jewish tradition, right, in the tradition of, of Jewish customs, and, and, and Jairus being a, a person of high status could afford this, but they were paid mourners. They paid them. Like, if someone died, right, Jewish custom was to, was to hire these mourners to come into your home and mourn with you. It was part of the grieving process in, in, Jewish, in, in the Jewish community. So... You have all these people in here, all these come up, this commotion, people crying, you know, and, and, and weeping and all this stuff. And what did Jesus do? He put them out. Come on, somebody say you got to put them out. You got to put them out. You got to put the distractions out. There might be someone in your life that is an unhealthy distraction. There might be something in your life. You got to discern it. Is it of the kingdom? Is it not of the kingdom? This was not of the kingdom, Right? These people mourning. Jesus was about to turn the tables here. He was about to do something, right? So he brought Peter, James, and John with him. So verse 41. Verse 41. He went into where the child was, the little girl. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And that, by the way, that's Aramaic. And in the time of Jesus, in this time, there's four, four common languages that were being spoken Oh, they suggest that Jesus could have spoken to all four of them, uh, Aramaic, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. And Jesus spoke Aramaic here. And he says, get up. He commands her, get up. Verse 42, immediately the girl stood up, began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. Someone say astonished. Jesus will astonish you if you follow him. If you get in his presence, if you get in there, He'll astonish you with something. You've got to trust him. You've got to depend on him. You've got to use some of that faith. Verse 43, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. He told them to give her something to eat. Give her something to eat. She got up. She's fine. Snapped out of it. She's not dead. You know, I've got a problem staying focused. All the way from the time when I was little. Well, you know, I, I was prescribed Ritalin when I was you know, a teenager and all that stuff. And, you know, they got all these medications for you now, ADHD, ADD, some of y'all like, yeah, I can relate. I see y'all looking at y'all that are looking off into space right now. That's y'all, I know. Yep. Hey, yeah, I got to, no, it's serious. The struggle's real, people, I'm telling you. Like, I got to straight take herbal supplements. I don't take that medication anymore, by the way. I take herbal supplements and stuff like that, like Bacopa and all these, you know, Ginkgo and stuff like that. And it helps me kind of keep my brain straight. Amen? Sometimes I have fear of keeping it all together in my life. Up here, around y'all, it's normal. I struggle with things too. How many of y'all know 
that you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lives in us. Amen? That's some Galatians 2.20 power right there. Amen? It is. That's right. See, Jesus wants you to touch someone. He's got something for you to do. See, a lot of preachers preach this differently, right? I, I, I preach some of that to you because the text is saying, yeah, Jesus wants to touch people and he wants to heal people and he wants to, you know, faith and all that. But look what's happening here. See, this, this turn it around. You know, you ever seen those bracelets, what would Jesus do? They don't, they don't fly around here too much no more, right? But I'm going to use the illustration. What would Jesus do in this situation? See, Jesus wants you to touch someone like he did. But see, we have all these distractions in our lives. See, both of these distractions... See, Jesus was preaching to the crowds originally, right? Right? He was preaching. He had some sermons he was getting out. And then Jairus. And then the lady. And then everybody gets touched, right? And then he kicks the people out, right? Get out of here. <laughs> Peter, James, and John go along. All that. How many of y'all are multitaskers? Anybody? It's okay. I'm not going to trick you. Just raise your hand. Yeah, I multitask a lot too. But here, here's what I found. Research, credible research from Stanford University, okay, suggests that, that multitasking not only damages your brain, but you can really only do one thing well at once. Yeah, it's research-based. Yeah, researchers found that people who are regularly bombarded with several streams of electronic information cannot pay attention, cannot recall information. They cannot switch from one job to another without completing one task well at one time. It can't be done. Research. Even Jesus, come on somebody, say even Jesus. Even Jesus only did one thing at a time. Look here. He, he, he stopped what he was doing preaching to the crowds. He went, he, he started engaging Jairus. He started his way to the house of Jairus, right? Another woman comes along. He stops what he's doing right there, heals her because she touches him, right? Has this engagement with her and says, hey, you know, your faith has made you well, now go in peace. And then, and, then, and then a distraction comes, boom, the little girl's dead. Oh, yeah, here we go, let's go. Even Jesus only did one thing at once. Why? He's both divine and human. He, he could have done everything all at once if he wanted to because he's God, okay? But I think he's trying to show us something here. I think the Holy Spirit is trying to show us something here. See, Scripture is applicable in, in numerous different ways. It only has one meaning. But look, I think we can pull out of this text that, hey, you know what? Jesus wants us to touch people in our lives. He puts people in our lives for, for a reason. But we can really only do one thing good at once. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you can really only do one thing good. You can really only do one thing good. See, now, now what I'm about to say works in a certain context, okay? You, you, you know, Christians, if you're here and you're a Christian, great. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you're just trying to you know, figure out this Christianity thing, just hang out, stick with us. You know, God's got something for your life, and I believe that with all my life. But if you're a Christian, you know that God's got something in his will for you to do. He's got a purpose for your life. And if you're a Christian, you should be in this place where, where you're trying to figure out what is God's will for my life. Yeah, you don't have to be a, a, a ministry leader. You, don't, you, you can. You don't have to be a pastor. But where you're at, what you're doing now, if you're a teacher, if you're a, a, a grocery store worker, if you're a stockman, if you're, you know, whatever you're doing now, God can use you to touch someone wherever you're at. But there might be distractions. How many of y'all know, y'all have those things that come up in your mind, and just, it just comes out of nowhere, and you're like, I got to text that person. I got to talk to that person. I got to call this person. 
I get a Facebook message this person. Yeah, maybe it's a relationship that went bad. Maybe you, maybe you run into someone in the grocery store, and you're like, man, I haven't seen them in a while. This is really cool. And you, you know, you want to kind of duck them because you're like, oh, I don't want to, uh, to put my makeup on. You know what I mean? You, you know, you try to get in and out of the grocery store real quick, real quick, right? But no, go up to that person. See, God puts these distractions in our life for a reason because he wants us to touch people. Come on, somebody say you got to touch someone. He wants you to touch someone. You never know where God's working until you're in it. See? And it's so great to be in it. It's so fulfilling. Paul says something about this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Come on, people, you got to make the most of the opportunities in your life. You're going to give account for the opportunities that come at you. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. you got to understand God's will. You might not understand it fully, but you can start walking in His will. You can figure it out as you go. You know, you can only do one thing good at a time. If you're doing something and God puts a healthy distraction in your way, stop what you're doing. Go up to, in the grocery store to the person and talk to the person that you had a fallout with. Someone, God put someone like that in my life recently. I saw I was, I, was, I was out having a meeting at a local restaurant, and I looked over the table, and I'm like, oh, oh I'm not going to do that. This is, this is God putting them here. I need to go up to them and initiate a conversation. See, so I had a little following out, you know. I went up to them. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I'm just trying to show you that that God does things and puts people in your way for a reason. You know what? I went up and I said, hey, you know, I'm sorry for a little falling out that we had, you know, and, and, and it was nothing. It was just a miscommunication. And, and it was a husband and wife, and the husband's like, yeah, you know, that, that's cool. Thanks for coming up. You know, we shook hands, and we've been cool since. Awesome. God did that. God's going to do that to you. He's going to do that for you. He's going to do it with you. Don't beat yourself up. You know, my wife's been teaching us tennis. I told you about this recently in a sermon I know. Right, we've been going out playing tennis like every week, you know, throughout the week, two or three times. And I don't know how she does it because she goes and works full time. And then she's like, I want to play tennis. I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> God, where do you get that energy from? You know, and, uh, and, and so all of our kids are out there playing tennis. And, and me and Caleb, right, me and Caleb are learning together. And we're, we're, we're picking it up a little bit. And, and we're kind of, we, we, you know, he's a teenager, so... And I'm an old man, so we're, we're kind of, we have this competitive thing going on, right? And I, I look at him like, ah, he's still a kid. He can't whoop me. But there's coming a day, okay? I know it's coming. He's whooped me on some things before, right? And, um, and we're playing tennis. And, and so, you know, I, I, I serve and I lose, right? He serves the next game and he loses, right? So I'm like, I got a theory, Caleb. I'm like, whoever, whoever's going to serve last, we're playing best, game out of, best out of five, right? So someone's going to have to serve three times. So I said, I said, I got a theory. Whoever serves the last is going to lose. And I'm like, that's me, right? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to lose this one, right? And sure enough, fifth game, I lose. So he has compassion, right? And, I, and he's like, this dude, this dude, last game, sixth game, winner takes all, right? And I'm like, yeah, but you're serving, right? You're going to lose, right? Because we're trying to get our serve down. It's hard getting that serve down, you know? And I'm trying to do it light, you know? And then I'm trying to, bam, pound it. And it's going all over the place, you know what I mean? I can't get it right. And uh, so, uh, of course, of course, he loses the last game. I'm like, yeah, you know, I win, you know. But, see, that, that's what's been happening, you know. And, 
And, uh, and, it, and see, when either one of us serves, we beat ourselves. See, don't beat yourself. Because, see, you might be doing something, and then something might come about. You might run into someone. You might think someone's name, and they might pop up in your head like you need to text them. You need to invite them to church. You need to minister to them because they're struggling. But you need to stop what you're doing, or you're going to beat yourself. Stop what you're doing. Say, is this a healthy distraction or a disruptive distraction? Think about it. Pray about it. Engage it. If it's healthy, don't beat yourself because God might want you to touch somebody. Come on, somebody. You might need to touch somebody. Touch the person next to you and say, touch somebody. See, I got this pet peeve, right? It's called productivity. Everybody say productivity. If I'm not productive, like, I'm having a bad day. I'm just like, wow, why am I living? You know what I mean? No, that's just me, right? <laughs> you know? If I'm not productive, it's just rough on me, right? So, you know, there's these divine moments. There's these divine moments that God wants to take you to. The Holy Spirit wants to show you something. You know, Jesus, even Jesus got distracted. You know, the devil, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is tempted by the devil himself. Jesus goes in the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. He was starving. I mean, he's hungry because he's, he's both divine and human, right? So he's hungry. He's hungry. 40 days. I can't imagine what it would be like to fast for 40 days. Jesus did it. He can do that. He's God. The devil comes to him and he says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread, right? So like, like you know, make the stones, snap your finger, make the stones turn to bread so you can eat because the devil's like, I know you're hungry. I'm trying to distract him. See, Jesus was about to enter some serious ministry at this point in his life. And he comes again, the devil comes again. He says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. He says, for it is written, he'll command your angels concerning you, and they will lift their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. Right? Yeah. If you're the son of God. Right? And he promises these things. Right? And the devil, right, third one, he says, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. In verse 9, he says, I'll give it to you. Just bow down and worship me. Jesus is like, I don't think so. <laughs> he said, get away from me, Satan. That's what he said. I'm transliterating. Right? But see, the enemy will do that to you. Your own mind might even do that to you and tell you, you're not really a child of God. You're not really a child of God. That's an unhealthy distraction. That's a disruption, people. That right there in itself, you should be able to know. You know, fear... All that stuff that tells you you're not good enough, that's a disruption. Cast it out. Say, get away from me. Get away from me. Jesus did it. See, Jesus was so focused on the Father. He was so focused on the Father that nothing could disrupt him from his mission. His mission was to come to the cross, to die for us so that we could be saved. Amen? This woman, this, this woman that had the the, the years of bleeding, 12 years of bleeding that was unclean, she had a laser-like focus on Jesus. She knew that she needed to get to him. She needed to get in his presence. She needed to get there. And I'm telling you right now that you need to get there. You need to get there. You know, maybe you're going through some, maybe you're single like this woman. You know, this woman, this, this woman, right, her, her, her problem, bleeding, causing her to be unclean. She was an outcast. There are so many implications for this because it probably caused her to get a divorce if she was married at some point. And, and, and if she was, she could have never, she would have never had a relationship. She was probably single. 
Scripture implies that, that she was probably single. She was suffering. This is for someone out of here right now. You know, if you're single and you're like, is God going to do something? Is he going to send me somebody? Just wait. I want you to get in his presence like the woman. Get in his presence first. Because you know what? You can't, you can't really love someone in a healthy way until you've experienced the love of Christ. You really can't. You can think you really love someone, but you can't really love until you've been loved, until you feel love, until you experience the love of God through Jesus Christ because he died for you. Amen. Psalm 18, 16 says, he reached down and rescued me. He reached down and rescued me. I believe that somebody needs rescued here this morning. Maybe multiple people need rescued. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me now? If you want to make a commitment to follow Jesus and say, I, I want to follow Jesus, I, don't, I want to be able to discern what's a healthy distraction and what's a disruption. But right now, I want to make a commitment to follow Christ. I want to make a commitment to ask Him to forgive me of my sin, wash me clean, and make me new. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to say a prayer with me right where you're sitting right now. Right where you're sitting with your head bowed and your eye closed. Make a commitment to Jesus. And repeat after me as I pray. God, I feel like I need you. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I believe that your son Jesus, he died on the cross. And that he rose from the dead. To have power over my sin and victory over my death. Change me. Show me your love. With every bed, head bowed and eye closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I want you to take it a step further. I'm going to count to three. I want you to just to raise your hand and say, that was me. See, God wants to know that you have bold faith and that you're willing to publicly say, I'm following you. If that's you this morning, I'm going to count to three. Just slip your hand up on the count of three. One, God loves you. Two, he wants you to experience his love. And three, come on, people, lift up your hands this morning. Amen, amen. You can put them down. You can put them down. Amen. Come on, let's stand to your feet and worship. Give God a shout of praise. Give, give the people that raise their hands a loud clap. Amen, amen.